Welcome everyone. Um, we're back with another episode of Real Medicine with Dr. Rock. It's your host, Dr. Ashley Roxanne D.O. Today, I have a really special guest. You're going to love her because not only is she an accomplished OBGYN, she also has some information about one of those really cool seven-year advanced programs. So she's basically a genius. And she's going to talk more about what it means to be married in medicine. So you can give me a big welcome to Dr. Nakia Barrow, MD. Thank you so much. Hello. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Of course. I found Dr. Barrow online on Instagram. I was really inspired by all of her posts. Um, I connected with her and I said, oh my gosh, I would love for you to be on my podcast. So not only is she friendly, but she's someone that you should follow because she really gives what we're looking for on this podcast, real medicine. Yes, 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 yes. That is my, my goal. Anything that I post is really essentially my everyday life. Not all the vacation pictures, because obviously I work every day, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just a nice little balance. Absolutely. Balance is what we're always looking for. So let's get into the questions. So first, I want to start with a little icebreaker. Um, it's called this or that. So I'm going to ask you five to six questions, this or that, and just give your first answer. Are you ready? All right, let's go. Okay, so Dr. Barrow is a OBGYN. So my first question, you can see this one coming. Do you rather the OB part or the GYN part? Of OB. OB. Yes. Cool. So everyone who loves OB, make sure you check her out because it seems like that's her thing. Okay, so procedures mm-hmm. or patient encounters. Ooh. Procedures. That's a tough one, right? Procedures. Okay. Procedures. Any favorite procedure? My favorite. Oh my gosh. Hysterectomies. Yeah. Oh wow. My mom actually had a hysterectomy, and her OB was amazing. So thank you for all you guys do. Um, I know that's a really, really emotional. Thing. No, it's it's a lot. You know, we sort of. It's like, oh, it's just a hysterectomy, but uh, a lot of people are very attached to their uterus, so. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, next question. A little little less medicine. So, like, going to the gym to work out or staying at home? Mm, The gym. The gym. Any particular reason why? I feel like at home, there's just so many distractions. Like, I'll start doing laundry. I'll start cleaning. If I know I'm going to the gym, I have X amount of time, and I'm going to get my workout done. Yeah. That's so true. Okay, so um, like I said, Dr. Barrow is usually on vacation. But she takes amazing vacations. She actually has some coming up. So make sure you check out her profile. Do you prefer tropical or like cold, milder temperature vacation? Oh, no, no, no. Tropical. Absolutely. Tropical all the way. What's your best vacation so far? Um, so far, I would say when I went to Italy last summer, when we went to the Amalfi Coast, it was really nice. Wow. I, really like, I like water and being out in the sun. That is my Wow. Sounds so beautiful. Yeah, that was a good time. That was a good time. Okay, so um, before getting too deep into her bio, Brooklyn or Queens? 
Queens. 100%. Queens all the way. So. All the way. I mean, I was born and raised in Queens, so... And most people that you meet from Queens are very attached to being from Queens. Um, and definitely don't like going to Brooklyn, but... <laughs> Like if I don't have to be in Brooklyn, I'm I'm not traveling. <laughs> okay, so Queens all the way, and then last question: Anatomy Lab or Biochem? Biochem. Biochem. Okay, so thank you for that quick this or that. Um, thank you for your real answers. So getting down into your bio. So a lot of people don't know uh, what it takes to be a OBGYN. Um, started from high school all the way into college, medical school, and then the actual residency mm -hmm. itself. Just a quick recap for those who don't know. You know, you do your high school, your typical four years, mm -hmm. college four years, um, then you do medical school four years, and then the residency for OBGYN typically is four years, considering um, some people do like a chief year, some mm -hmm. people do fellowships after. So if we look at a minimum of 12 years that Dr. Nakia has been in, um, to achieve this dream, so I think it's like as you're going through it. I mean, for me, I, I didn't really like count it, but it wasn't until I actually got my certification and I was like, wow, it really took a long time to because <laughs> you're just going through the motions, you know, you're studying, and like, you know, we talked about I was in that, um accelerated program so it was pretty intense right off the bat I mean I feel like the first two years we did a lot of the like major college courses and then we started anatomy and everything like that so I didn't really have that true college experience that most people have or let me rephrase it I tried to and that didn't always work out for me because obviously we had exams like every month you know, we didn't have any right. summers off. So while people were, you know, going away for summers and doing things like that, like I was always in class, studying, taking exams. So it was hard because you're looking at all your friends having a great time. And you're just like, why am I doing this? Why is it so nice? And I'm in the, in the library studying neuroscience. And yeah, so it was an adjustment for sure. Right. So you grew up in New York. Hi to all the New York listeners, yes. um, specifically in Queens. Um, and then tell us more about this seven-year accelerated program. So like I said, she has an insight on a seven-year program um, that specifically is at the Sophie, yes. Sophie Davis School yes. uh, of Biomed Education. Um, tell us about the experience that you had there going from high school into college and into this program. So the program essentially was designed to get a lot of minority children into the medical field. Um, and so, I, like I told you before, I didn't actually want to go to the program, but needless to say, it ended up being a great experience in the sense that you're focused from day one on, you know, getting into medical school. So the program itself is seven years. Um, you do, they may have changed it now, um, because it's actually CUNY School of Medicine. Um, but when I was there, you did the first five years at City College. Um, and then the last two years, which was essentially your third and fourth year of medical school, 
you did it at one of the six cooperating medical schools that was associated with the program. Um, so you could either go to NYU, Downstate, Albany, um, Stony Brook, and they may have been another, I forget the other schools, but it was like another match program where you had to rank the schools and then you did your last two years there. Um, so you didn't have to take the MCAT. So that was like one of the greatest things um, to do that. But in, it was still very intense because you had to essentially maintain like A's and B's. And if you failed any course, you had to redo an exam. And then if you failed that exam, you had to redo the whole year. And if you failed anything at all in that sort of like, um, what they call it, remediation year, you would be kicked out of the program. So we started out, I want to say there may have been like, I don't even know, to be honest with you, how many kids actually started out. But from my original class, it was maybe half of that by the time we graduated. It was. Wow. It was. Wow. Very intense. intense. And like I said, those seven years, like I feel like I don't even remember that person because it was just, you know, study, 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 and try to have somewhat of a normal life, but not really because you're just studying all the time. <laughs> right. No, it sounds like right. seven years of it. You know, because people, you know, I started, I was 17. What? Yeah, I was 17 turning 18 in September, but I remember, you know, you're you're going to school, probably in high school, I was one of the smarter kids in my school, and then you go to this program where everybody is so smart, (laughs) and it's, it's, one, it's intimidating for a 17-year-old that is like, I just want to be a doctor, but that was everyone's dream, so everyone was really cutthroat. And I was like, that is not my personality. Like, I have never been like this competitive person. I just kind of always do my own thing. And whatever is for me is going to be for me. So I don't really feel the need to compete with anybody. But those kids in that program were, like, cutthroat. Cutthroat. <laughs> to say that. <laughs> and for anyone listening, um, one thing that yeah. you can really gather from what she said is you never want to be known as one of those cutthroat people. Um, you always want to be known as someone who just, you know, did their best by everyone um, while still striving to be successful. Um, and then she also mentioned um, you right. go to a higher level of education right. and you realize, you know, there are other people who are smart, um, just as smart as you, if not smarter. And that's a tough transition for so many people. So just realize that you're not alone and that's the real part of medicine and that everything changes with each step that you go through. Exactly. And it's important just to recognize like, okay, that's fine. There are going to be people who are smarter than you are and that shouldn't stop you from still just doing you and doing your best. Cause that's all at the end of the day that really matters. Um, because if you focus on what everyone else is doing, you're never going to get anything done. Absolutely. That's a germ. Don't focus on what other people are doing. It's just straight ahead on your own goal. On your own path, really. I can say that now, right, because that's how many years ago. I graduated 10 years ago. So 
But as it was happening, I just kept being like, oh my gosh, this person got this grade and that grade. And that was the other thing too. They were very, I mean, I don't know if they do this now, but they would like post the grades out with like your initials or your student ID number and post your grades so everybody could see your grades. <laughs> it's crazy. Wow, that is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You know you're, you're like, oh, I want to. I remember there was one girl, I kid you not, she like followed my eyes to my ID number to see my grade. <gasps> like that type of crazy. Guys, like I said, never be that type of person. That person. Please don't be that person. Don't be that person. Because we remember you. <laughs> Seriously. Because, like, what did I say? 10 years and I still remember that. And I'm like, oh, God. So um, leading up into after that program, you then pursued a residency in OB. How did you decide on OB? Did you always want to do OB? No. So I originally wanted to do general surgery. Um, and I was like set on that. But then when I did my rotations, OB was my second rotation. And I went into it like, this is absolutely disgusting. There's no way I would want to do this every day of my life. Like, babies, vaginas, no thank you. But then on the rotation, after I did my first um, delivery in the attending, and you know, and it's funny because now as an attending, I don't even know if I would let this happen. I probably would if I had students with me, but this one attending me deliver a baby, and I remember like tearing up and being like, oh wow, this is so nice, and that experience in itself, I was like, okay, maybe I, I do like this. And then I did my general surgery rotation after it, and I absolutely hated it. And that's how I came to the conclusion that I wanted to do OB because I was like, I can't live my life waking up at 4 a.m. and rounding. And it was just, everyone was miserable. And again, it may have just been where I did the rotation and I probably should have just done an elective in surgery. But by the end of the year, I had... I was pretty set on doing OB. Wow. So that just goes to show you how important clerkships are. Um, because you can have something in your head for the first two years, and then you get to clerkships in third year, and you really realize something's different for you. Um, it's really a feeling mm -hmm. that you feel when you're on rotation. So a key there, you just need to be open-minded to all specialties. Because you see that she said at the beginning, no, this is not for me. And now she's out here doing great things at OBGYN. Okay. Yeah. Now I'm always like, even at three in the morning when they're calling you, you know, you have a ruptured topic in the ER and you're just like, oh my God, I just want to sleep. I'm still very much happy that I decided to go into OB. So. Yeah. And, and that's where the sweet spot is. So what is a typical day like for you on your job? So it depends. I mean, the good thing about doing general OB is that you get to do a mixture of everything. So say I'm in the office and on one day I'll be in the office like the whole day, essentially from eight to four seeing patients. And I have a good mixture of OB patients, GYN patients. The OBs are typically just your regular prenatals where they're coming in and depending on where they are you doing the exams based on that. Um, the GYN patients, it can be anywhere from problem visits, you know, irregular periods or painful intercourse, painful periods, um, procedures where we do biopsies in the office, we do colposcopies in the office. Um, sometimes I'll do leap procedures in the office depending on the patient or we'll do it in the OR. 
Um, if I'm on call, then it's a little different. The days are a little bit longer than the office. At my previous practice, we were doing 12-hour calls Whoa. just because I think now people are realizing 24-hour calls, especially for OB, is, is tough. Um, and my practice was very, very busy. So when I first started, we were doing 24 hours and I was like, oh no, this is not going to work. Because even in a 12-hour call, I was doing like five or six deliveries. And wow. still covering the ER and covering the unassigned patients and things like that. So the call was really busy at my old um, practice. So that's usually how call it is. You come in, you round, you see the laboring patients, and essentially you just follow the patients throughout the day, do the deliveries. If there's any scheduled cases, like C-sections, you do those. Um, on the OR days, you just do your OR scheduled cases. That's typically how it is. Each week was a little bit different. Some days I would be in the office all week. Some weeks I would be in the office one day, call one day, OR one day. It depends. Wow. So, but it's a, it's a nice variety. Mm-hmm. That's the way I like it. Like I don't know that I could ever just do just labor and delivery. Right. Um, and I know for sure there's no way I could just do office. Maybe when I'm a little bit older and I'm trying to like retire, I'll probably just stick to office. But at this point, yeah, I, I can't. <laughs> there's only so much I can like actually have a conversation and sit in the office. Right. <laughs> like, okay. Um, and so with those crazy hours, um, do you ever feel like you get burnt out or like you need to take a break or... What do you do for self-care? Yes. So for sure, the last two and a half years have been rough in terms of the volume. A lot of times, and it it helped me just because I saw so much in my previous practice that I feel like there isn't anything that really surprises me anymore in OB. Um, But I was tired. Like every day when I was post-call, I would go home, I would sleep. And probably sleep for like eight hours. So it's like when I was off, I would be trying to, like, you know, grocery shop, clean, cook, do things like that. So it was really hard for me to actually practice self-care in my old practice just because I was so busy. Like if I wasn't working, I was sleeping. <laughs> right. And that's a real part of medicine that people don't talk about. That's why I'm so happy, glad to have this podcast that we could talk about real medicine um, and talk about sometimes people do get burnt out. I actually read a study the other day that said um, about one third of um, general illness are burnt out when they surveyed them. And, and so I think that burnout is something that's very common in medicine. Um, and even though we're saying care is important across the board, I, I really, really um, love it when physicians like yourself um, are real about, hey, I get burnt out. I have days where I'm trying to catch up and, you know, self-care doesn't happen as often um, as I want to. Um, but it seems like you've made, you know, a change, a career change. Do you want to talk about um, your move and everything? Yes. So, I mean, <laughs> even though it wasn't my goal to move at this point I think it was necessary and it almost feels like like I said everything happens for a reason you know you get so used to the craziness of your job that you just kind of flow 
and not realizing that you're so burned out. Um, but my husband actually got a new position in the DC area. Um, and this was back in um, September. So he's like, I'm going to have to move. And I'm like, well, I have my exam coming up. You know, I have my patients. I'm really not trying to leave my practice right now. Um, but the more I started to realize, like, this place is sucking the life out of you, I realized, okay, okay, this is probably the best time to actually leave um, because if I stay here, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, it's not going to be good for me. Uh, so I think it was like God's way of being like, you need to leave this practice and here's your opportunity because I'm giving this to your husband, this new position. And what are you going to do? Have a long distance marriage just because you don't want to leave your comfort zone. So that is why I'm in Maryland now. So hopefully my <laughs> new job, it seems like the, and that it's important to find the job, you know, when you get out of residency, you really want a job that you're going to have a good balance. You know, obviously when you're coming right out of residency, you don't really know and you can ask people, but if these people have been doing this for years and a lot of the attendings, if they're older, they're used to working like this, like, they're not used to, you know, having these breaks and things like that, which is not healthy. Um, but it's important to ask those questions when you're going on these interviews. It's, it's important because after you've already signed the contract, you know, you can't really, I mean, you can theoretically, but you still have to give them 90 days most times notice that you want to leave the practice. So you still have to make sure that it's a good fit for you in terms of, okay, how many days am I going to be in the office? How many days am I going to be on call? You know, what is the call like? Is How many patients are, is the practice delivering? Because just because you join a practice that has, you know, more physicians, obviously the more physicians you have, the more patients you have. So your call is going to be busy. Right. So I think that was one key that you guys can grasp from what she said, making sure you know what you're getting yourself into before you sign yeah. the contract. Like she said, some important questions that you need to ask in your meeting. You know, what is the call like? How many yeah. patients do we carry? What are the leadership responsibilities? As a attending, um, Dr. Barrow is a, um, a attending, so big up to her. Um, but one of the things... Um, that are required for me in this position. Um, one thing that Dr. Barrow also touched on was um, being married in medicine. Um, so I know there's a lot of people who are probably um, dating someone seriously, you know, think about it, engaged or married themselves. And people are always looking for advice. So is there any advice, some tidbits that you can give people who are also married in medicine that you've learned over the, the years? I think the most important thing is just making time you know we all make time for things that we really want to do um and it's so easy to just blame everything on work and rotations and things like that but there has to be a good balance and thankfully my husband you know we have been together now almost 10 years so you know, last, last year of medical school all of residency and you just have to make sure that the person is very supportive. You know, like he would just come over and I'm like, well, I'm, I'm sleeping. He's like, okay, 
well, I'll just be here watching TV, you know, like things like that. And then when I was up, he'd be like, okay, we're going out, we're going to do some things. So it's important just finding the right partner because not everybody is going to be understanding of this life. Absolutely, absolutely. And one thing I really encourage people of, and I want to talk about in the future, is love languages. I think love languages is so important. There's five of them. Yeah. Um, if you've never heard of a love language, just look it up, Google it, take the quiz. Really finding someone who is a good match for you. Like how she said that she's about to go to sleep. Her husband just comes up and says, no problem. I'm just going to be here. It sounds like they're spending quality time. That's one of the love yes. languages. So really tapping into that. I really want to highlight that concept. But I think it, it is um, one of the biggest factors in successful relationships, whether that's friendship, work, or yeah. relationships. Okay, so thank you for sharing that little tidbit of information. Um, one question I have that's kind of um, off of medicine and more for anyone who's mm -hmm. listening who's a patient, what is something that you wish that people knew before they came into, um, specifically probably more so your GYN appointments, but OBGYN as a whole, something you wish patients knew um, before they came in or how they prepared for the office meeting per se? Well, I think I... I do wish, and I mean, I don't know if this is more so in terms of education on our part or just, you know, grade school education, high school, biology, whatever it is, but there are just so many young women and even older women who just don't know a lot about the cycle, the reproductive cycle and things like that. And a lot of times, a lot of the visits would be avoided if people just knew a little bit more about their bodies but I don't know if that's just a lack in terms of school like when do you learn these things I don't that's the hardest thing for me it's just like am I the only person that knows this because I feel like I knew this when I was your age you know like when I had teenage girls come into my office um so that's one thing and then the other thing is that at least for me when they come in and they're like talking about sex and they're talking about, I wish more people talked about it. I think women and especially older women don't really like talking about sex and they get so embarrassed. And it's just like, you can say whatever you want to me. I'm really, I'm not going to judge yeah. you. I really, not that I don't care, but you could tell me you had sex in a tree and I'm going to be like, Oh wow. Okay. How was that for you? You know, but I wish that people were just more open about talking about their bodies and sex. And that's the biggest thing. That's what I spend most of my time in the office, just right. educating people. Just a lot of women don't know. Absolutely. I think it just touches back to some of the right. uh, deficiencies, yeah. for lack of a better word, in our sexual education um, in our educational system um, because there are just so many different politics that go into that. Um, and like you said, people from a different generation have different um, sexual ideas. Um, and so feeling like our patients trust us enough to, mm -hmm. to tell us about what they're struggling with in their sexual lives. Um, how, how do we tap into that? So anyone listening, you have any ideas? Um, make sure you send yeah. us information. I, I mean, we're looking to connect it, with our it's, patients. It's, oh, it's just so interesting. The amount of things that I was kind of like, wow. Okay. I didn't know that I would have to explain that. Like little things that, you know, maybe my mom taught me 
as a young girl or I learned in school and not everybody has that. So it makes the job that much harder. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, everyone's baseline is different. Um, you know, it, 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 it makes it because then you feel no, empowered, right? The more you know about your body and <laughs> what's going on, then you feel empowered to say, like, okay, well, this is what's wrong because I know what I should be feeling yeah. or how it's supposed to feel or things like that. But if you never know the normal or what it's supposed to be, a lot of times people just mm -hmm. ignore stuff and then they come in and it's like, oh, wow, you really should have come a couple of months ago when this first started. I agree 100%. I think that was a gem. <laughs> Absolutely a gem. When you know more and you know more about your body and more comfortable talking about your body and exploring your body, you feel empowered. Yes. So um, those are all of my questions. Um, is there anything else that you specifically want to talk about? Anything that we didn't cover? Marriage, relationships, friendships. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we kind of covered everything, a little bit everything. It's been such a pleasure having you, Dr. Barrow. Um, Dr. Barrow, right now, like she said, she's in the Maryland area. She's an OBGYN who Instagram you can find online. I'm going to link it up to our interview. But um, Dr. Barrow, if you could just quickly say what your Instagram name is and spell it out for us so everyone can follow you. Yes. So it is N-E-K-I-A. Hold on. Let me just double check because, you know, I just <laughs> changed it because I deleted my Instagram before. But it's N-E-K-I-A-F underscore M-D. Perfect. And so everyone follow her because um, we're always looking for people who keep it real in medicine. This is an amazing interview. Thank you so much for joining us on Real Medicine where Dr. Rock and Dr. Ashley Rockman and Dr. Nicole Barrow, MD. And we look forward to catching you all on the next episode. Have a good rest of your day and thank you again. Thank you so much. <laughs>